When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, I'm Craig Ellingson, sports editor at the Edmonton Journal, and this is our Oilers podcast for May 26th, 2015. With me are uh, Jim Matheson, our journal hockey writer. Morning. And Joanna Ireland, journal hockey writer. Morning. And journal sports columnist, John McKinnon. Morning. Well, since we last talked, we've had a whole lot of stuff going on, like Connor McDavid draft lottery win and hiring a new GM, Peter Schiarelli, and hiring a new coach, Todd McClellan. And I, I don't even know where to start, but I mean, clearly, McDavid is a huge change. But you know, following that on the hot in the heels, we have a brand new general manager. We can start there, Peter Schiarelli. What does that change? How is it? How are things changing for the Oilers? Well, they haven't changed a bit yet, except they got a new coach. I guess yep. that's his first. What can we expect to change? I suppose. Um, I think everybody seems to want him to to take a look at the roster and move some, you know, core player for whatever the Oilers need. I I see him looking at the roster for a full year and saying, okay, this is what I got now. I don't like this person as much as other people do whether that's the previous regime or what and then he can make a move I don't see them moving I don't see him making a whole lot of big big moves um, this summer he's got they got lots of draft choices they can trade for for uh, players and uh, they can pick up players from other teams because they have lots of cap room I'm just going to rewind just a little farther back than that I think uh, just the hiring of Shirelli not only um, brings in a new message and a new face it changes sort of the optics of the old boys club I mean McTavish is no longer running the team Kevin Lowe's officially sort of removed from hockey operations and you know optically it's it's made a it's not going to necessarily result in instant changes on the ice but optically around the league there's, there's a little bit more credibility now here than there was when we last spoke at the end of the season now how that translates down the road, who knows? But between Shirelli and Todd McClellan coming in, I think uh, the optics of the franchise have changed. Yeah, and along with the credibility, it, it's given hope, uh, a huge jolt of hope to the public, to, to the Oilers fans who now believe that things have really changed. Yeah. It's interesting. You still have, I mean, McTavish and Lowe are still in place. As far as I can tell, Kevin Lowe's position has not changed at all. Uh, nothing changed uh, with him. Um, and Tavish apparently is the second or the, the right-hand man of Shirelli. Um, so he has less decision. He clearly has less clout. But he's still there. Uh, but they're more insulated now because now you have 
Nicholson has been anointed as clearly the guy in charge of everything to do with the hockey operation and, frankly, a lot of things to do with the arena. And uh, um, now you have a new coach. So there's a, there's a whole new management team that has kind of buried the other guys, although they, they weren't sent packing. So it's kind of interesting. Um, but it, 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 there's a lot of – it's a honeymoon period, it would seem to me. I mean, the, the, you know, she really has hired a coach so far. And, and um, still on McTavish's watch, actually, is when they lucked into the number one pick overall, Connor McDavid. So those three things taken together, everybody think, whoa. It does. It changes the equation. The possibilities now are, are much more enticing. But there's a lot of issues there still to be dealt with, and we'll see how quickly uh, the general manager can you know, find goaltending, uh, shore up his defense, you know, make other changes that are required. And we still have, I would suggest, the issue of younger players who I don't believe have demonstrated uh, the ability, either the ability or the willingness to play the two sides of the puck, you know, 200-foot game that is required. I mean, you're watching the playoffs right now. Wow. You, you better be able to play in all zones and really hard in every shift. Otherwise, you're going to be in trouble. Well, that's not the Oilers. So there's still a lot of work to do. But right now, four months or whatever it is before they play a serious game, everybody's just filled with possibilities as that arena keeps rising up at 100 miles an hour on 104th you know, Avenue. So uh, it's interesting. But but it's, it's early. <laughs> yeah, it's early. And, you know, th- th- to the Oilers players, the ones they have now, the young guys, not not playing to, you know, the level they need to. Now we have Todd McClellan in place. And uh, clearly he was on high on, you know, a lot of teams' lists if he came free from San Jose, and he did, and now he's the Oilers' head coach. So I guess, yes, we're still four months away before a game, three months from training camp. We haven't even drafted McDavid yet, but, you know, installing the coach, this coach, is, I hope, a message that that's what the Oilers want to do. He's also another coach in a long list of coaches yes, yes. with the same group of players to mm-hmm. some extent. So is he that much better than Todd Nelson or Tom Rennie or Ralph Kruger or Dallas, Dallas Aikens? I was going to mention that one, but I can't overlook that one. So, um, sure, I mean, this, he's obviously got the credentials. Let's see, you know, what he can do with this group. And, you know, I would argue that Todd Nelson had taken this group farther than some others too, so I'm not sure that Todd McClellan's going to be. There's going to be a huge gap between what Nelson did and what Todd McClellan's going to do in the early going. I think players can listen to a coach and say, "Here's how you have to play." I think it should be mandatory for every Oiler young player to watch the playoffs. Yeah, I know they've always got stuff to do when the season ends. They should be watching every game and see how you have to play to win, and it's not. Trading chances with teams. It's, you know, it's as John pointed out, it's playing, getting back and blocking a shot and taking somebody out of the play and playing that way. Now, I don't know if you can play as furiously for 82 games as teams do for two months in the season, and surely you can't, but they, that's what I would be doing. That's, that would be my remedial work in the, in the season, <laughs> is just watching how these teams who get deep into the playoffs, like a team like, say, Anaheim. With lots of offensive players, but you know those offensive players also play 200 foot game, and that's such a cliche. Now, but it is true that they come back and take people out of the play. Yeah, further than that, it's not the same hockey that Jordan Everly and Taylor Hall were playing in Prague during the World Championships, and you know that sort of you know they were very successful there, 
but it's a different game. So the uh, the um, the world is a bit of an illusion, if you ask me. I mean, Canada had a, a very powerful team. The roster was was a stacked roster, yeah. unusually, <coughs> and um, they had the best roster, in my opinion, of all the teams over there. And they had a pretty easy schedule yeah. until they got to the playoff round. Yeah. Um, yeah, Russia strangely which used to be an airtight team years and years ago they have bad defense anyway they, they, those guys had a lot more room to work with um plus they're playing Sidney Crosby um which helped a lot but in the playoffs what you what I see anyway is players are battling for literally every square inch of ice up and down the rink and um it's not you know freewheeling it's not a lot of space and it's, it's so precise. Every, everything about it is so precise. Last night the game turned on the long change and, and a, a bad change. That actually, it would have been a 2 on 0 that last play. <laughs> Except that Brent Seabrook recognized, oops, here they come again. But his partner had gone to the bench, so he was all alone. And uh, there was the winning goal. Could win them the, that series. Um, little things like that. These guys are not known for attention to detail, the, the, the incumbents with the Oilers. If anything, they're known for kind of uh, ignoring a lot of details. So we'll see. I mean, the, the, the challenge is clear. And uh, maybe when Todd McClellan said, you know, there's going to be pain, uh, this is what he meant. <laughs> yeah, he also said we're not going to talk about the playoffs. So. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> not yet. Not I think yet. The, the past, the Oiler team, it, to use a word that we've used before, has been pretty fragile. When push comes to shove and things aren't going the way they would like them to go, the other teams can push the orders out of the game, as Todd McCollum said. It's, that can't happen now. Yeah. That's too, There's too many of these players that play too long in this league, regardless of whether they've won or not, to say that they're just kids now. There's too many of them are 24, 25 years old. They're not 18 now. Uh, they're not 19. So their method of going about the games has to change. And if that means winning them 2-1 or 3-2 or whatever, so be it. It has to, uh, has to change. Now, Shirell is in as general manager. McTavish is out, and we know that McTavish had said during the season, this past season, that the core players are staying. They're in place. They're not going anywhere. Now, Mr. Shirell is in charge, and I don't know. I mean, if things, obviously, no answer crystal ball. They still have an entire summer before the fall is here, but you know. I don't think Shirelli is going to shy away. At least that's the reputation or coming into Edmonton that if changes need to be made, then changes need to be made. And if that means that one of those core players needs to be moved for something else or maybe if something isn't working, that's what's going to happen. Well, unless the team, unless David Poyle phones up and says, you want Shea Weber? Well, then you would have to give up one of your core. You'd have to give up Ryan Nugent Hopkins maybe. for, But unless... I don't see any. That's what they need. They need to give a, up a core player. Yeah. That would have to be for a defenseman. And I don't see teams offering up defensemen now. There may be organizations that have cap problems and have a player that they can't keep, but they're not trading. Not, they're not taking back a body for that guy. They're taking back draft choices for that guy because they just can't keep him. So that trading, I, 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 like I said, I, I think he wants to take a look at his roster as a new general manager for a while before he says, ah, oh, this guy can't, we've got to move this guy along. Yeah, I, I still think the one player that's that still has to 
improve is Yakupov. I know he played better last year than he did the year, you know, year before, but he still has to show that he's a 50-, 60-point player before I think he, he gains major traction with, with a group of players that are core players, and I think he's the one that's mostly on the bubble. And, uh, you know, if you're going to trade anybody, it would be him, I think, before Everly or Hall or Nugent Hopkins, unless they offer up a, somebody offers up a top defenseman. Yeah, and I think if any GM, whether it was Shirelli or McTavish, if that deal was on the table, I think McTavish might might have uh, sort of re-evaluated that um commitment to the young core too or to, to the core um but i agree with maddie i mean you it has to be a pretty sweet offering before you start moving some of those pieces and who's to say but you're you're right i mean he's not going to hesitate if it's there i mean he he moved tyler uh again not for other reasons but also i mean he was only he was very young in his tenure and he was willing to move him so he's obviously not afraid to pull the trigger I mean, they, they're still at a. It's a funny thing with the Oilers. They've been some of these players have been around a while, um, but there always seems to be room between what the current situation is and, and maturity. Uh, but it's real situation. Like for example, Drysaddle. Drysaddle is is lighting it up at the Memorial Cup. He's dominating, and he, he clearly that that team is structured around him. He has a lot of ice time. He plays in all situations, and he's doing well. But. Adding him to the mix and McDavid, whenever they're both added, because Drysdale might start the season in in the minors. Um, now you have depth, so now you're you you would be able to deal from a position of strength. But I wouldn't move a guy like anybody, any of their centers, until you have a real sense of what they are, because number one, you're not going to maximize value for that asset when that asset has not demonstrated what it's worth yet, and number two, I mean. Uh, well, you know, maybe that you're better off keeping that, but you have to wait and see how it how it develops. So there's still, uh, I, I agree with Jim. I mean, you, you have a situation where the prudent thing to do is to kind of just take it slowly. I, I do find it interesting that a number of people out there have anointed the Edmonton Oilers as a team most likely, Canadian team most likely to win the Stanley Cup. And, um, you know, b- before anybody else does in Canada, I'm thinking, you know, small matters of goaltending and defense and other concerns, they're nowhere near. Uh, now, that could change, but usually putting all these pieces together does take time. Like, I don't even know, are they now, are they in the situation where they're not in a total, like, rebuild where we'll just say, take it slow? I think there has to be some addition of older players to complement the players. I think they have to find some way to get some 26, 27-year-old, 28-year-old really good players to complement the younger players to try to win some games now to make s- to show that they're on the way as opposed to, well, we're just going to take it nice and slow and it's a process. And I think the process is kind of wearing a little thin with, with people. They have to start winning some games at least to get to where there are 82 points in an 82-game season, so there is some light there. Okay, so if not a player like a Benoit Pouliot, what kind of a player? Yeah, I was going to say, about? where are you putting these players when you look or at that? Or Teddy Purcell or yeah. somebody like that. Where are you putting them? Uh, who who who? Brent Seabrook. Okay, top two defense number two okay. defenseman. You give up draft picks and a prospect for him. 
What about the what about the idea of chemistry? I mean, you know, obviously we have this group of players now. Adding a McDavid and putting Drysaddle in the lineup at some point in time. Darnell Nurse as well. Obviously, anytime you add a player, it changes the dynamic of a dressing room and and whatnot. But at one point in time, I mean, clearly Shirelli we've talked about Sagan being dealt away in totally different circumstances. But at what point in time do you think maybe a change in the room for the sake of making a change in the room? I don't know. Yeah, that's not one of their issues. They've got a okay. lot of problems, but I, 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 unless something's gone on there. I think the young totally players know how to want to win. Yeah. They just don't know how to win. Yeah. And I think... And they try. I, mean, I, I think mean, there's a, was added for that reason. But I think there's a... I think there's a vacuum there between the 24-year-old, 25-year-old players and the Matt Hendrickses and the yeah. Setchers 33, 34. Yeah. There's, they need some 28, 29-year-old star players to take a hold of the team as well. So that's the kind of players they have to somehow find. And from teams that win, have won. I mean, there's no sense picking up a guy, I don't think, from just because he's 28, 29 from another team that doesn't win. You have to find somebody from a team that has won and knows how to do it and knows how to show the players how to do it. And here we are. Like we, You talked off the top, Maddie. Cap space. I mean, the orders going into free agents, they have lots. And, it's, and the teams that are facing cap crunches, who are they? The well, Chicago's, the Boston's. Even Tampa's got problems. Philadelphia. There's lots of teams got cap problems, and there's three or four of them got lots of room. Now the owners got about $20 million in cap space that goes up to $71 million with about you know 16 players signed. So they st- would still have to sign seven players, but um, some of those are not high-end players. So um, there's room to add, a, add a, a player, I think, and just give up draft picks or a prospect this summer. I don't know if that's... And maybe there's a goalie out there. Maybe there's a team... Maybe Chicago says Corey Crawford. Well, we'll just we'll get rid of that six million dollars because we can't afford him, and we'll play Scott Darling. I don't know. It seems a reach to me, but who knows? I mean, the the, the, the history of of the young players here uh, being mentored by the some older players is not a strong history. Um, the most recent uh, iteration, early in the season, when they were losing, losing, losing. And Ferentz stood in the locker room after one game, and he basically said, you know, it's enough already. This should not be a chore to come to the rink. It should not be a chore to come and do your job. This is professional hockey, and on and on and on. Um, and he was making fairly pointed remarks, uh, seemed aimed at the younger players. I'm not sure that <laughs> he, that's his, the point of him being here, is, is to be the, the guide, the mentor, you know, the, the template. Here's, here's how to do it. Um, I'm not sure that the, the, the other the young players are look up to him in that fashion. In fact, I think there's a bit of a divide there. So we'll see. I mean, um, to me, they need positional issues and, and goaltending and a you know solid defenseman top of the list. And we'll see how how, how uh, successful Shirelli is in, in obtaining those pieces. Well, winning cures a lot of a lot of those sort of issues. But um, do you bring in a mentor now for a player like Taylor Hall, who's five years into his career with the Oilers? I mean, at some point, if he doesn't get it, I don't know that bringing in another veteran would make a difference with him. And with you know, no, I, I think that is that is the essential issue with the Oilers 
is are these guys believe us and they they've been well they've been anointed led. as the exactly that's their team your team you guys are here you're yeah. not going anywhere this is we rise or fall with you guys they know that yeah and uh, you know they've been sort of taken off the hook in that sense um, have they really demonstrated all that much aptitude for that 200 foot game not on a consistent basis that I've seen but maybe Todd McClellan will be the magic you know kind of elixir that changes that could be now adding the experience you know to guide these that young group of players to a better place to the playoffs um, I think to you know the teams today the Chicago's today like 10 years ago the Chicago Blackhawks were absolutely nowhere until they drafted Jonathan Taze Patrick Kane plugged them into the lineup and away they went so clearly there are other players involved Duncan Keith except for example but I mean the veteran presence that was required I don't know um, Chicago wasn't Detroit who've had this passing the torch down yeah, they here got for the lucky last 25 with years. Jonathan Taves was... Pittsburgh Penguins, too. Jonathan Griff Taves Cosby. was 18 going on 25 when they drafted him. Wow. I mean, he became an, his captain in about a minute and a half. So, I mean, that's a rare example of a player John, who... Jonathan Taves but those is a are player the, with But those are the teams applause. that we're talking yeah, about now. Like, the LA Kings are the same, in, in my mind. Yeah. The key players aren't old grizzled vets who are 30 who led them to the Stanley Cup. They they have those players. Yeah. They are, they're there. But they weren't the principal ones. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I th- it is, there, is a, there is a method, as John pointed out, to how to win hockey games. There is a method. And I suspect that it's, more, it's 70% hard work and 30% talent. And heart, as Calgary proved this year, the hard work can get you into the second round of the playoffs. With a team that was not the greatest team, but hard work got them to the second round of the playoffs, and on a consistent basis, hard work, and that was difficult for 82 games. But they managed to carry it through two playoff rounds too. So um, I think that has to, you know, you know, it's a cultural change, a sea change. I think they just the the team has to realize that they can't. Their skills fine, but they also have to be able to stop people from scoring, and uh, and then you can fall back and ah, oh, well, we need better goaltender, or we need a couple of defensemen. But there's forwards too that you know have to help out, and I think it's a team thing. And until that changes, I just don't see the orders. They got to somehow change the way they play the games. And I know we haven't seen Connor McDavid in the NHL at all, of course, because he hasn't been drafted yet. But, Matty, you were in Sault Ste. Marie, and you watched Connor McDavid play for that playoff series against Erie, uh, Erie and Sault Ste. Marie, sorry. Uh, I mean, and we know what your assessments are if you, from reading your stories, but, I mean, then we have him. I mean, for the last 10, well, 15 minutes, we haven't even said his I name. Think, I think the fan is, is a little crazy to think that he's going to come in and be the first-line center at, at 18. He'll be the second line center, and Nugent Hopkins will still be the first line center. But they'll have two really good offensive centers. So um, he makes something happen every shift. He's special. He's going to be a really good player. But you know, was he going to get 80 points in 80 games at 18? Maybe. I. But I mean, it, now it gives him a chance to split up Hall and Eberle. One of one of those two guys can play with McDavid. The other one can play with Nugent Hopkins, and then. 
Pooley, I can play with one of those two lines on one wing, and then we'll see what happens with a winger on the other line. So at least it gives them two really good offensive lines with some offensive ability. Um, you know, we're just talking about playing the 200-foot game. You're going to throw the 18-year-olds <laughs> in and say, you're, you're, you're brought in to get all the points, but yeah. you, you better be able to check too. And I, you know, his coach says he, he's quite capable away from the puck too. I wasn't watching that, in, to be honest, in Sault Ste. Marie. I was just watching him with the puck, but uh, um, that's another chore for McDavid. But I don't think, I think the expectation level is a little off the charts with some of these Edmonton Oilers fans. Now, one more thing. Um, the coaching staff, I mean, McClellan hasn't filled it out yet as to when that happens, whether or not Todd Nelson sticks around or not. Um, I guess that's probably what it is, Todd Nelson. I mean, he hasn't talked to anybody since, uh, you know, Shia Riley or anybody in the media since the McClellan hire and since Shia Riley was hired. What do you do if you're Todd Nelson? He's, he's still under contract with the Oilers, but... Well, he's not going back to coach the farm team. Let's put it that way. He's been there, done that. Jerry Fleming took over, and the team got to a couple of playoff rounds. He's not going back to coach the Oilers farm team. Now he might go. He's got permission to talk to other teams. That whether that means as an associate coach, whether that, you know, I, I can't fathom Todd, to be brutally honest, getting a head coaching job. There's too many other coaches mm -hmm. out there. Now maybe there's an associate coaching job that he could. You know, maybe Jeff Blashell, if he's in Detroit, maybe he knows Todd Nelson from the American League. He would like him on his staff. Now, maybe that's not an associate, but he'd like him on his staff. Uh, but um, if I'm Todd Nelson and Todd McClellan says, you want to work with me, I jump at it. I say, absolutely. I've got, I can learn something from you, and it's a no-lose for him. If the team doesn't play as well as people think, the head coach takes the slings and, and arrows, and if the team plays like they can with the new players, then Todd Nelson's stock goes up because the team gets better, and he's perceived to be he was a head co you know interim head coach, and maybe he can be head coach again. So I, it's a no lose for him, and I think he should just be looking at, at Craig Ramsey on the Edmonton Oilers staff. I mean, he's been a head coach, he's been an assistant coach, or Rick Bonus in Tampa. He's been a head coach, he's been an assistant coach. You're a coach, so. If Sometimes you're not the head coach. Sometimes you have to be the assistant coach. But you know, I can't get into Todd McCollum's head if he wants Todd Nelson or not. I I think, considering the job he did with the young players and the team, and they really respected him and liked him, and his work on the power play, the power play got better with him. I I would have him on my staff, but I'm not Todd McCollum, so I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to get a read as to what the interest level is on both sides of that, that equation. Although um, it, it is interesting, though, Todd left here at the end of the season and went back to Oklahoma. Obviously, his family's back still in Oklahoma City, so he went back down there. And he was very active in that Barons playoff run. He was sort of working in the film room. And when I talked to Jerry Fleming early in the playoff series, he said Todd was right there with him. So, um, you know, it'll I mean, that's that's always going to be his fallback position if nothing else evolves. I don't know that the Oilers, do you think the Oilers would give him permission to go talk to a team, to coach an AHL team somewhere else? I mean, I think that's it's NHL it or nothing. That's where it was. If it was, yeah. it Why was an Eastern Conference team, I guess he, he wanted to. Um, I mean, they have a head coach. That, they have Jerry Fleming that it can be their coach in the minor league team. It's not like Jerry didn't do a good job when he Correct. took over. So 
if he left. But he's under contract. Uh, Nelson still is under contract, so you know somebody else would picks up his contract. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. I'd like somebody in the orders to actually comment on the fact giving <laughs> Mr. Nelson permission to go, but they've chosen not to comment until the coaching staff is filled out, which I think is wrong, but uh, that's the way they're going about it. I, to me, if Todd Nelson wants to be a head coach, go be a head coach. Whether it's in the AHL or the, the I doubt he'd get an NHL head coaching job right now, but you never know, or junior hockey. You want to run your own bench, you want to run your own show, go find a place where you can run your own show um, and do it that way. I, I mean, if he wants to be the good organization man, and stick around. I'm not sure that's the, that's a faster pathway to become a head coach at this point, given where he he'd be in the, he would have been essentially passed over again for head coach of the Oilers and and set aside what we like you hang around, be the good soldier. Is that the way to? I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, Alan Vino uh, was uh, fired um, uh, in Montreal, and he was kind of seemingly dead in the water, and he went back to junior hockey and he coached two or three years where it was and, and then he went from there to the Manitoba Moose and then from there to the Vancouver Canucks and from there to the Rangers and uh, that may be a template for him to look at um, but I, I would think that he's he's done all he can for the Oilers organization and uh, unless they wanted to be the head coach which obviously they do not so if I were him I'd move on thanks guys it's been real and uh, been fun but it has not been real fun uh, lately and I'll see you later well and he could probably be thinking in his own mind I can't read his mind, but he's probably thinking, okay, I did a good job on a minor league team, but you hired Dallas Akins over me. And then I did a good job again as an interim coach, but then Todd McCullen came free, and I'm not getting that job either. So I'm, I've struck out twice for whatever reason, and, and he's maybe thinking like another organization or another job would be, as John pointed out, more palatable. And uh, he did at one time apply for the Edmonton Oil Kings job to be the Oil Kings coach and Derek Laxdahl got it and then he got the farm team coach so it's not like he wouldn't take on a, a junior uh, coaching job. Well that writing was on the wall when they gave him the interim title and there was talk about Todd McClellan even during the last half or last third of the season so I mean this has sort of been in place for a while and if he was I would think if they had offered the associate head coaching job here it might have been a different story but that's obviously not part of the equation so I'm not gonna. I'm not putting down money because I had the Rangers to go to the playoffs, so I'm not making any more predictions. So, All right, to everybody. the Stanley Cup, I should say. Okay. Anyway, I think that'll do for today. We got plenty more coming up uh, with the draft and whatnot, and so we'll uh, we'll talk again later. Thank All you. Right. Thank you. All right, thank Thanks you. Much.